Um, let me see what we got here. Um, I wanted to kind of continue a little bit with what we were looking at last week and kind of uh, make sure we're all on the same page here. Um, last week we were in Acts chapter, Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter number 8. In verse number 12, Acts chapter 8, verse number 12, it says, But when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Right? So here is Philip. He's preaching. Uh, he's preaching Christ. And people are uh, believing. They're accepting Christ as their Savior. And the question that, I, uh, that we were talking about last week is, when a person accepts Christ as their Savior, okay, what does that person receive at the very moment that they've accepted Christ as their Savior? I know they receive eternal life. I get that. Um, but kind of in what we were looking at last week, when a person accepts Christ as their Savior, what do they receive as well immediately? The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit right? They immediately receive the Holy Spirit of God. Okay? So what we were looking at was obviously in verse number 12 is when these believers accepted Christ as their Savior, they received the Holy Spirit at that time. But then it says um, in verse number 14, now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem, so again, these are believers in Samaria, several days probably go by, maybe some weeks, we don't know how long goes by, but then the apostles and the believers in Jerusalem heard that there were believers in Samaria, right? Right? We all together here? Okay. So they hear that there's believers in Samaria, people that have listened to the preaching of Philip. They've accepted Christ as their Savior, right? It says, when they heard that uh, Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who, when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost, right? So this was the question that I was asking, that I asked last week. Did they receive the Holy Ghost in verse number 12, or did they receive the Holy Ghost in verse number 15? And the answer is yes. They received them both. Now, and this is, what, this is where I, I, we kind of ran out of time, and I kind of rushed through it, uh, but I wanted to make sure that we were clear on this because I don't want there to be any misunderstanding about this, right? The very moment that a person accepts Christ as their Savior, they receive the Holy Spirit of God, Right? Uh, hold your place here in Acts. Go with me to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 13. Paul writing to the church of Ephesus. Um, so in, in Ephesians chapter one, verse number 13, he says, in whom ye also trusted talking about Jesus Christ after that, ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. So they heard with their ears, they heard the gospel, they trusted, they believed, right? And he says in whom after that, ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy spirit of promise. All right. So think about it. They believed right? And then they were sealed with the Holy Spirit, okay? So they heard the word of God preached, they believed on Jesus Christ, and then they were sealed with the Holy Spirit of God. Are we all together here, right? But then notice what he says, 
which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. So Paul is telling us here that when a person is sealed with the Holy Spirit of God, they cannot lose the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will not leave them. They are sealed, the Bible says, until the redemption of the purchased possession. Well, what is the purchased possession? What's that? Us, yes. We are the purchased possession, right? We have been bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. So we are the purchased possession, okay? So Paul says that we have been sealed with the Holy Spirit of God until the redemption of the purchased possession. So if we are the purchased possession, what then is the redemption of the purchased possession? What's that? What? Our home in heaven. When Jesus Christ comes back and takes us home, right? Until Jesus comes, and what's he going to do? He's going to take all of those who have believed in him, his bride, and he's going to take them home with them. So he says we are sealed from the moment we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior until the day of the purchase possession. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit of God the moment that we accept Christ as our Savior until either we die and go to be with the Lord Jesus Christ or until the Lord comes and takes us back to be with him. We all together here, right? So let me ask you this then. Just on this verse, just on this passage here, when can you lose your salvation? Never. You can't. Because he says, from the moment that you put your faith in Christ, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit of God until the day of the purchased possession, until Jesus Christ takes us home. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit. You cannot lose the Holy Spirit. That's why even later on in Ephesians chapter 4, in uh, in verse number 30, he states it again, right? He states it again in verse number 30. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto what? The day of redemption. So again, he says, when you accepted Christ as your Savior, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. You cannot lose the Holy Spirit. If you cannot lose the Holy Spirit, then you cannot lose your salvation. Can't lose your salvation. Okay? Right? Now, um, I don't know how far I want to go with this. Now, notice what he did say here. What can you do to the Holy Spirit? You can grieve the Holy Spirit. You can grieve the Holy Spirit. You cannot lose the Holy Spirit. How do we grieve the Holy Spirit? Somebody tell me, how do we grieve the Holy Spirit? disobedience disobedience to what we know god wants us to do right sin that grieves the holy spirit right now if i'm disobedient or if i'm sinning do i lose my salvation no i don't lose my salvation but i am grieving the holy spirit right i'm grieving him but i don't lose him and that's what he says grieve not the holy spirit of god whereby you're sealed under the day of redemption okay we're sealed you can never lose the holy spirit we're sealed under the day of redemption but we can grieve him. If we disobey, if we are sinning, we can grieve the Holy Spirit, right? Okay? We're not going to get into a whole lot of that tonight. So let's go back then to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter number 8. I definitely want to make sure that this is really clear tonight because uh, obviously we won't be having Sunday school for a couple weeks, and so I won't have a chance to get back to this for, for a little bit. So I want to make sure that this is really clear tonight. Um, So 
in verse number 12, Acts chapter 8, verse number 12, we have the believers hearing the word of God. They believe, they receive Jesus Christ, and they also at that time receive the Holy Spirit of God. Okay? But then, so again, remember, this takes place here in Samaria. However it happens, maybe somebody writes a letter or some believers from Samaria go up to Jerusalem and they'll be like, oh, wow, yeah, did you hear what's going on in Samaria? People are getting saved and Philip is preaching and, and the believers in Jerusalem are like, wow, that's amazing, that's great. And days have gone by and they're like, hey, we should send some of the apostles down and find out what's going on. And so let's send Peter and John, right? So days are passing between this, okay? So then Peter and John, and you have to remember, they, there's no cars, everybody's walking, right? It's walking, traveling, okay? So then they send Peter and John. So again, we don't know how, long, how much time has transpired between the time that they accepted Christ and now that the apostles come. Days, weeks, we have no idea. It could have been months. We, have, we don't know. It probably wasn't months. It was probably a few weeks or something. So then when they come, it says, when the apostles, verse 14, which are at Jerusalem, heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John. So Peter and John come. When they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. So what then is this happening now some weeks later of them receiving the Holy Ghost? If we know that they've already received the Holy Spirit at salvation, what is this receiving of the Holy Ghost? And the key to it is in verse number 18. It's a one word, it's three letters. It says, when Simon, what is that next word? Saw, right? He saw that through laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given, okay? When a person gets saved, you cannot see the Holy Spirit indwell that person. It's not possible. You can't see that, okay? Okay? So something different is happening that Simon was actually able to see transpire. He saw something happen. He didn't see them receive the Holy Spirit when they got saved because that happened back in verse number 12 several weeks ago. But now when Peter and John come, Peter and John lay their hands on them and he sees something happen. What is this that he sees happening? Well, Hold your place here in Acts chapter 8 and go back with me to Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. In Mark chapter 16, we have what we would call, again, part of the Great Commission, right? In Mark chapter 16, verse number 15, Jesus says, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's part of the Great Commission. We're to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Okay? But right in this passage is part of a passage that is very misunderstood. And if we continue reading as Jesus is speaking, watch what he says. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And then verse 17 And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. This is what many people refer to as the five sign gifts. The five sign gifts, right? The five sign gifts. What are they again? Cast out devils, speak in tongues, 
They, they'll not be, they can't be hurt by poison or serpents, right? Uh, they can lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Uh, and then they, they can drink poison or take up serpents, you know, which I would not recommend doing either one of those. Um, but that's what would happen, right? Those were the sign, five sign gifts, okay? Now, here's, here's where the big problem comes, right? By the way, did you notice all five of these things? What is something that all five of them have in common? All five of these things have something in common. What's that? You can see them. You can see all five of these sign gifts. You'll be able to see it. Okay? You can, you'll be able to see that with your eyes. You'll be able to see them casting out devils. You'll be able to see them hearing, healing people. You'll be able to see them speaking in tongues and hearing them. You'll be able to see that they can take up a serpent and not get bit by them. You can see them drink something poisonous and they don't die. You, these are all things that you can see. Okay? But here's where the problem comes. Here's where the big, big catastrophe happens, right? And especially among the charismatics and the Pentecostals and things like this. They come to verse number 17 when it says, And these signs shall follow them that believe. So therefore, what they say is that if you are a believer, then you have the ability to do these things. That's what they say. If you're a believer, then you have the ability to do all of these five things. If, if we brought a cobra in here tonight, I wonder how many would still be in this building. I don't, I don't think there'd be a lot of people still in this building. In fact, I think there'd be several of you probably, you know, pulling out some handguns or something like that, going to your truck and get a shotgun or something to shoot that thing, right? Why? Because we know what's going to happen if that thing bites somebody. What's going to happen? They're going to die. They're probably going to die. Oh, that's just the reason why you'll die is because you don't have faith. Your faith just isn't strong enough. Wait a minute. Hold on a second. Where did it say anything about your faith in this? It didn't. It didn't say anything about your faith, right? Paul, he gets bit by one of the most poisonous snakes known to man, and everybody on the island said he's going to be dead in a moment. He didn't die. He shook it off, threw it back into the fire, and they said, this must be a God. Why? Because they knew this guy should be dead, right? They saw something, okay? So here's the problem with this, though. These five sign gifts were not for every believer. You say, but it says so right there. These signs shall follow them that believe. You're right. It does say that. But who is he speaking to? What was that? Context. Yes, thank you, right? Always, 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 what is the context? Now, when he says to go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, yes, we understand he's giving that to the disciples, but at the same time, that is a command given to the church. That's to everybody, right? Well, then why isn't verse number 17 and 18 something for everybody as well? Because of context. Go back. Look what happens in verse number 14. Afterward, he appeared unto who? Uh, No, it doesn't say the 12. 
The 11, right? What, what Bible version are you using over there? What? <laughs> the 11, right? Because Judas has gone out and hung himself. Judas has hung himself, so there's only 11 now. So he appears unto the 11 as they sat at meat. And what does Jesus do? He upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart. What does the word upbraid mean? Anybody want to give me a, what's a, just a easy, what's a common word that we would say today for somebody that, getting, that is getting upbraided? We're not talking about their hair either. Scolded? Chastised? What? Balled out? Chewed them out? We got a lot of words for this, right? We all know what he's talking about here. He upbraided them for their unbelief and hardness of heart. Why? Because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. They came and they said, hey, we've seen Jesus. And he said, you're crazy. No, we've seen him. We saw, no, we, he's not risen. He's dead. We saw him. We, we know where he's at. No, you don't. He's alive. He, he's up. And so when Jesus comes, he upbraids them. He chews them out for their unbelief and hardness of heart. Now, this is what's really fascinating about this, right? He's just got done chewing them out for their unbelief and hardness of heart. And then he gives them the greatest command in all the world. Think about that, right? He's just chewed them out for their unbelief. And then he says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Hmm. I wonder who's going to listen and obey. So this is what Jesus says. And these signs shall follow them that believe. Who's the them? any of those 11 that he's speaking to. If only six of them chose to obey and believe, guess what? Only six of them would have been able to do these signs. If only one of them would have believed and went and did what Jesus said, then only one of them would have been able to do these signs. And that's why if you drop back down to verse number 20, it says, and... They, who's the they? The 11 went forth and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them, the 11, how? And confirming the word with signs following. So here Jesus gives these sign gifts to the 11 apostles. And he tells them, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And if you will believe me, if you will trust me, and if you will do this, I will give you these five abilities, these five powers, so that when you go, people will know that the message you're preaching is from God. That's what he says. The Lord working with them and confirming the word, the message that they're preaching. They're confirming. Why? Because everybody's been under the law. And what are they saying now? We're not under the law. We're under grace. This is the new covenant. This is the New Testament. Well, who's going to listen? Not many people. But if I can prove to you that this is from God, then will you listen? Well, how can you prove to me it's from God? You see the importance of the five sign gifts here? 
But again, these five sign gifts were not just for everybody in the world that believes in Jesus. No, no, no. It was for these 11 as they would go, then they would be able to do these sign gifts. Again, what do we find in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost? What do we find? Speaking in tongues. And what is happening? People are saying, huh, how is this possible? How is it possible? And what did they hear? What did they say? We do hear in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. They heard the message. They said, hey, this must be of God because, I mean, these are all Galileans. We know the Galileans don't speak Parthian. We know the Galileans don't speak these other languages, but yet we're hearing them in our own tongue wherein we were born. This must be of God. Why do you think 3,000 people got saved that day? You think because Peter was just so eloquent in what he was saying? No. It's because they recognized this must be from God. This message they were preaching must be from God because look at the evidence. The signs were confirming the word. The purpose of the signs was not just to be able to be like, hey, look at me, I've got all these sign gifts. No, no. As they preached the word, then the signs were there to confirm the word was from God. What do we have going on with sign gifts today? It has nothing to do with confirming the word of God. It's, look how spiritual I am. I have the speaking in tongues. Look, I can cast out devils. Look at me. I can... What does it have to do with the word of God? Nothing. It's all about my ego and look how super spiritual I am. And if you can't do it the way I do, you must not be spiritual. I don't think that's what Jesus said here in Mark 16. All right. So now let's go back to Acts chapter 8. Everybody understand Mark chapter 16 here? Right. This has nothing to do with every believer. It has to do with those there. Those 11 that Jesus is speaking to who would believe and actually obey and go out and do what he said. So what do we have happen? Right. So again, Philip, Philip is not one of the 11. Philip was one of the first deacons in Acts chapter 6, right? He's not one of the 11. Is Philip able to do miracles? Yes. He says so back in Acts chapter 8 when he was going down to Samaria in Acts chapter 8. Um, in verse number five, then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing, and watch this, seeing the miracles which he did. Ah, you see, preacher, you're wrong. Those sign gifts are for everybody because Philip wasn't one of the 11. So everybody can do the sign gifts because Philip wasn't one of the 11 and he's doing miracles. Well, yeah, that's true. Philip was doing miracles, and he wasn't one of the original 11. So how was he able to do the miracles? How was he able to do these signs? Again, watch again what's happening. He's preaching the word, right? He's preaching. The people are giving heed to him. The people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. So he's preaching the word, and then the signs are confirming that the word is of God. Right? That's the purpose of the signs. But Philip isn't one of the eleven. So if this was only for the eleven, how is Philip able to do this? We just touched a little bit on this last week as we were finishing up. 
the eleven could give the signs to someone else. The eleven could give the signs. The eleven laid their hands on Philip. And they gave Philip the ability to do the signs. But I want you to notice something. When Philip had these new believers that had accepted Christ as their Savior, right? Did he have the ability to give them the signs? No, he did not. He didn't have the ability to give the signs. That's why who had to come from Jerusalem? Two of the original 11, Peter and John. You see, the original 11 could give someone else the signs. I could give it to Brother Gene, but Brother Gene can't give it to anybody else. I could give it to Brother Ross, but Brother Ross can't give it to anybody else. The 11 could pass it to someone else, but that person couldn't give it to anybody. They could do the signs, but they couldn't give it to anybody. That's why Peter and John have to come from Jerusalem. And what happens? When they laid hands on the believers, what does Simon say? Or what do we find about Simon? When he saw... He saw, this is what he says, when Simon saw that through laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me also this power that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. This this Simon, who was a sorcerer, he's like, Dude, this is power. Again, you read the passage. This was a sorcerer, and he recognized, he said, You know what? I don't, this is power that I don't have but I'll pay for it. If you give me this power so that I can lay hands on people and they can receive power, I'd pay for that. And of course, Peter puts him in his place. But what Peter and John were doing were laying the hands on the believers to receive the Holy Ghost, not when they, not at, for, for salvation, what happened in verse number 12. This is for the sign gifts, whatever it might be. As we saw in Acts chapter 10, when those that believed, what happened? They received the ability to speak in tongues. And again, it, we, we're, we're not always told what they were, right? Nowhere does it tell us what these believers received, specifically. It doesn't tell us which of the sign gifts they received. It just says, that when Simon saw that they got something, he said, I want this power. It had nothing to do with their salvation when they accepted Christ and received the Holy Spirit of God. This has to do later on when the apostles come and they lay their hands on these people so that they can receive the, the sign so that when they go out, they can prove as well to other people, hey, this message is from God. But watch this, watch what happens Because here you have people today that say they can perform miracles. You have people today that say they can cast out devils. You have people today that say they speak in tongues. You have people today that say, uh, hey, you can take up, we can pass a rattlesnake around in here. If you've got enough faith, you don't have to worry about it. Why are they in the hospital then? Because the sign gifts, and watch this, if I'm one of the original ones, 
and I give it to Brother Gene, and I give it to Brother Ross, but they can't pass it on. That means as soon as I die, nobody else can receive the signed gifts, and as soon as they die, the signed gifts are completely gone. They're gone. You say, oh, but I, this church down here, they have he- healing crusades and miracles and things like this. It's a bunch of show. I think I said this last week. If they really want to heal somebody, let them go to the hospital. You haven't ever, never, never seen anybody walking down, the, walking down the halls of the hospital healing people, have you? Oh, you got to come to our crusade. You got to come to our church. Let me tell you something. If you really had the power to heal people, would you tell somebody you have to come see me? Yeah, absolutely. That's absolutely true. If we still had the gift of tongues, why? Uh, I guarantee you there's a lot of missionaries that would love to have the gift of tongues so they didn't have to go to language school. You say, well, then what are they speaking? Nothing. It's all gibberish. They don't even know what they're speaking. On the land of gibberish? <laughs> I'm not sure where that one. I don't think I know where that country is. I know where a lot of them are, but I don't know if I could find that one on the map. <laughs> no, ma'am. Because, again, think about it. If I have the gift of speaking in tongues as one of the original apostles, and I give that to somebody else, they can speak in tongues, but they can't give it to anybody else. That's why, again, that's why Philip could not give it to them. No, that, that's why those things have stopped. And again, you can you even go to um, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter, uh, let me see here, 13. Yep. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we would think about this as being the, the chapter on charity or on love or whatever. And it is, a lot of it is. But in verse number 8, he says, Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall Cease. What does the word cease mean? Stop. He says there's going to come a time when they're going to stop. Now, according to all of the Pentecostals and Charismatics, it's never stopped. Wait a minute. God said it was going to stop. He said it's going to stop. Well, when is it going to stop? Well, he keeps going, right? He keeps going. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come then that which is in part shall be done away. So prophecy is only part. Knowledge, being able to have that knowledge of, uh, of prophecy and things like this and tongues and things. He said all of this is going to be done away. There's going to come a time when it's going to be done away. And he tells us the exact time when it's going to be done away. When that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. So what is he referring to in verse number 10 when he says, but that which is perfect has come? No. It's not referring to Jesus. If it's referring to Jesus, then it's never going to stop. Because when it, it means for 2,000 years, we've still had all these sign gifts. Well, we've got a big problem. There's no apostles to give them. How, how are we going to have these sign gifts for 2,000 years? Peter ain't 2,000 years old. In fact, he's dead. 
Even though John was the only one that wasn't martyred, John's not 1,900 years old. He's dead. So if the original 11 who were, only, who were the only ones who could give these sign gifts are all dead, how could we have these for 2,000 years? Not possible. So when did they cease? What is, in verse number 10, when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. Well, again, he always talks about we're, 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 we don't see something fully. We don't have the full context, right? Until something imperfect is going to come. That which is perfect, in verse number 10, is referring to the word of God. It's the word of God. The only thing that we have today that is perfect, that we can hold in our hands, is God's word. It's God's word. It's perfect. There's no mistakes in it, right? And so he says, when that which is perfect is come. Now again, remember, what was the purpose of the signs? What was the purpose? We just talked about it. What's the purpose of the signs? To confirm the word, to show that this is the word of God, right? Because again, you have this whole, this new covenant, this new testament that's coming of grace now when everything has been under the law. So now this new covenant is coming, this new test. Uh, this is a great illustration. Woo! I'm glad I just thought of it. Yeah. What does that say? Right there. Why did we put that on there? Because it's something new. There's a new location, right? Let me ask you a question. In three years, are we still going to be giving out things that say, new location, 1407, North Barron Street, woo <laughs> Way to ruin my illustration, Josh. No. No, we're not going to be handing these out in four years because it's not a new location anymore. Guess what? People are going to know... That's where First Baptist Church is, right? The sign gifts were there because this was new. You're going to tell me that for 2,000 years now, people still think the word of God is new? No. It's been established. The church, the church isn't new. The church is now established. The church, I mean, it's all over the world. It's not new. It's established, the purpose of the sign gifts was to show that this, what this new thing was, this New Testament, this new covenant of grace was from God, but when it's finally established, and again, this is why it was only given to the original 11 and they could only pass it on to certain people. Because once that died off, because again, think about it. Once the word of God is complete, when John completed the word of God, as God gave him that vision on the Isle of Patmos and he pens the revelation of Jesus Christ, the last book of the Bible, God said, all right, it's done. The word of God is complete. The word of God's done. We don't need, there's no more revelation coming from God. God's word is complete. Okay? So think about this. If the word of God is complete and there are no more apostles, then do we still have the five sign gifts? No. No. And here's what's really interesting. When you go back and you start reading, you'll find out at the beginning of the church, you find the miracles, you find the sign gifts being done. But what do you find towards the end of the New Testament? You can't find a sign gift being done. You can't find one being done. In fact, you find just the opposite. Paul, who had the sign gifts, 
He says, by the way, I left Trophimus sick in Miletum. What kind of friend who could have the power to heal somebody would leave a friend sick in Miletum when he has the power to heal him? Because that's not what the purpose was. The purpose wasn't just to heal anybody and everybody that's sick. The purpose was when the word is being preached and the word is being given, the sign gift confirmed the word. And that's why when you find the church now being established, you don't find the sign gifts anymore. You don't find the speaking in tongues. You don't find the the miracles, the healings and things like this. They're not being done. Because the word of God, number one, is complete by John. And the church is now established. There's no need for these sign gifts. And I know, I know there are churches today that say, hey, we can cast out demons and we can perform miracles and we speak in tongues and we can take up serpents and, and they won't bite us and they won't hurt us and, and we can take up, you know, we can drink deadly things and it won't, it won't bother us. Can I tell you something? It's not true. It's not true. Because God says all of those things will stop. When that which is perfect has come, when the word of God is complete, the only perfect thing that we have today, when it has come and it's complete, and by the way, think about also what happened. By the time the word of God was complete, guess who was no longer on the scenes anymore? The 11 apostles. The 11 apostles were all gone. After, after John dies, they're all gone. And that's why even you go, back, you go back through the centuries and things, guess what you're not going to find? You're not going to find speaking in tongues and healings and miracles and all these different things. It's big in our society today because it started back in the early 1900s. People said, hey, this, let's try this again. Wait a minute. If it was really true and of God and if it was supposed to last for all this time, we would be able to see it all throughout the church age. You can't find it. can't find it. Right? Is it clear? I hope. <laughs> I know some of you are looking at me like, I'm not really sure about this. That's all right. Yeah, Lucas. I just think it's really interesting that God gave us those five signs in the beginning. When, like we know that in southern India, in Kerala, there was a church established in the beginning. You could imagine the snakes, the dirty water, right. the poisons they would have encountered. Yes. That they would never made it through if they didn't have those gifts in the very beginning. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, even like what we saw, um, what I mentioned about Paul being shipwrecked on that island, right? And here a snake comes out, bites him, and they just think, hey, he's going to die. Well, if he wouldn't have had that, those abilities, if he wouldn't have had that sign, then what would have happened? He would have died. And Paul's ministry would have been done. But because of having those signs, and he was able to shake off that snake, throw it back in the fire, what happened? He was able to preach, and basically almost the whole island gets saved, the whole island gets saved because of that, right? And so, yeah, it's, it's really, and again, you see that at the beginning of the church age. Do you know how many Christians have, um, have died from snake bites? You know how many Christians have died from being, and, and forgive me for this, and I hope this has never happened to anybody that you know, being misdiagnosed by doctors and giving the wrong medicine and end up dying? It happens, right? But wait, if every believer is supposed to have these sign gifts, Nobody should be dying. But we do. Well, the only way that they can excuse it is by just saying, well, you just didn't have enough faith. 
well, if I'm dying and some doctor gives me the wrong medicine, that's not my faith. I mean, I'm dying. I don't even know what's going on. How's my faith have to do anything with that? But that's, that's how they try to excuse it. Well, you just don't have enough faith. If you had greater faith, then you, could, then you could do those things. No. Again, that's why Jesus never talks about faith. He doesn't talk about if you have great enough faith. Paul wasn't like, oh, yeah, this snake bit me. I hope I have enough faith. No, he just shook it off and threw it back in the fire. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Everybody understand that passage then? So in verse number 12 of Acts, they receive salvation. They receive the Holy Spirit, the indwelling, sealing Holy Spirit. But then in verse number 14, when the apostles lay the hands on them and receive the Holy Ghost, it's not the Holy Spirit for salvation. It's the signs that they're receiving. That's why Simon is able to say, hey, I see this and I want that. I'll give you money for it. They said, nope, your money's going to die with you, Simon. And again, that's a different Simon than Simon Peter, Simon the sorcerer, okay? All right. Anybody else have a really quick question about that? Yeah, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anybody else real quick? Maybe something I'm still not sure about? All right. Very good. It just turned 601, so I'm good. <laughs> Praise the Lord. All right. Well, let's have a word of prayer, and uh, then we'll, we'll be dismissed. I believe the children will be coming over to practice uh, the kids' program. And uh, while they're practicing, we're going to try quietly, as they're practicing, to collect all the hymn books, try to start cha- stacking chairs as uh, quietly as we can so we don't disturb them too much uh, practicing for the Christmas program. But let's go ahead and pray. Oh, I forgot about that. Brother Bill slipped me something. I better, I better say this. So this morning or today we were, we were really praying that God would give us uh, $60,000 in, uh, for our building fund. And uh, my wife asked me this afternoon, she said, do you think we're going to get 60,000? And I said, I don't know. I'm just being honest with you. I, I'm thinking 60000 that's, that's a that's a lot. Um, and I just, I don't know. And I started thinking, you know, maybe, maybe 50000 would be good. And uh, I, I really wasn't sure what was going to come in. And uh, they just gave me this total. The total is $74,273.11. And Yes, that's including the 15,000 match as well. But $74,000. I know, I'm telling you. I, I just talked about faith this morning, didn't I? I'm telling you. I, I just, God, just keeps doing, God just keeps doing so many different things. That's right. Miracles, miracles still exist. There's no doubt about that. That's just... I, when he handed it to me, I wanted to start shouting, but I knew I couldn't because everybody would think I was crazy. But um, I, just, I still can't believe that. I'm telling that's just, that's our God, right? We talked about it this morning, the goodness of God. Amen. That's, that's awesome. So, amen. Well, let's pray.
Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for your goodness, Lord, just as we've talked about it this morning, remembering your goodness. And Lord, even just tonight, Lord, going above and beyond, uh, Lord, what, what I even thought possible. And God, you're just so good. And you've just been in this from every step. And God, we just thank you for your goodness to us and your love and, Lord, just your abundant blessings. And God, I pray that you just continue to work. Lord, I pray that we would just look to you and trust you through this process. And, uh, Lord, that you would just be honored and glorified in all that is done. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.